Hello. This is required viewing. Yay, Kansas. Rourke, welcome back to the Required Viewing Podcast. I'm Erin. And I am Chloe. And we are recording this episode from Kansas City. Live from Kansas City. Well, it's not live. Because we're recording it. But we're live right now in this second. You and I are live. <laughs> okay. I guess in that sense, anyone who ever records a podcast is live. For in Kansas City. That second. <laughs> okay. From what um, we do in the shadows. So we decided that we just couldn't get enough of Ida Lupino. And so we wanted to do another episode. So Lupino part two. Give me, give me more. Give me more. Give we me, couldn't give me stay more. Away. We Back in the habit. Some more. It, honestly, for real though, jokes aside, she really did affect me. Like us watching these oh, yeah. movies in the last few weeks. We wanted to watch more. It like really was poignant for me. And I wanted to watch more. And you wanted to watch more. And... This is our fucking show, so we're watching more. Uh, so, also, she is basically the only female director in all of Golden Age Hollywood. So we correct. I feel like giving her an extra moment is apt. It's apropos. She didn't seem as, as say. she didn't seem as psychotic as Joan Crawford of all the starlets yeah, of that time, or Betty Davis. Uh, well, I think part of that reason, uh, was, well, I'm going to mention it at the top. Uh, some of today's content, um, <clears throat> is brought to you by a, is brought to you by pills and alcohol. <laughs> well, that too. <laughs> uh, we watched a documentary on Ida Lupino together. Uh, Couldn't get enough. You can find it on YouTube. Basically all Everything. of her content Stuff about her life, the movies she directed, a lot of the movies she was in. Almost all of it is public domain. So if you feel like going on your own Ida Lupino journey, you can find all of this for free on YouTube. So we found a really cool documentary on YouTube and watched it. And it really there was just a kind second of one that you found, right, too, that we wanted to watch? No. Oh, I thought there was a second one you said that there was. No, there's just all sorts of really good stuff on YouTube. Okay, cool. Uh, but there... There's a lot of information. You can go find it on her. Uh, I lost my train of thought. Sorry. No, I like that all of her stuff is on YouTube. Oh, it's I remember. accessible. Is that you said? Was it public domain now? Yes, almost, almost all of her stuff is public domain. Did it so hit the, the time it, I, it was an answer to your question. So the reason why I think she had the best head on her shoulders of a lot of those golden Hollywood starlets is because she came from literally two centuries. I did mean what I say centuries, 200 years of performers. Her family had been generations and generations of performers. So coming in, she was a Lupino. She was a Lupino. So coming into this crazy world her mom was of the, Hollywood wasn't that much of a stretch for her. The her mom was the fastest tap dancer in the world. Yeah, that's what she was billed as. Now whether or not okay, that was okay, she, okay, they used to bill people as all sorts of stuff. That's true. Okay, I but, was wondering. And that's her a father biz term. was. The, she had family in the circus. She had family in all like her performance background. 
like growing up in a performance family really shows why she could come into Hollywood with her, like you said, with her head on her shoulders and not be crazy like Joan Crawford, but also say, fuck you men. I have things to do here. I have stories to tell. Also, Janet Jackson. She Remember, we were watching her documentary. She was surrounded by fame with all of her brothers that were already famous. So when she got on TV, she was she said that she was only nervous that first time and then she was never nervous again. And I feel yeah. like it's probably the same thing, right? If you're raised around it, if that's the environment you're raised in, you probably get nervous once. Like the same kid that uh, the son, one of the sons of Tierra Band, their son did a song. And she was, when she was on stage, the mom was like, she, Bridget, she was, she was like, he's never nervous. It's like he was born for this. So there's, I think when you're, and both his father and his mother are performers in the same band as well as independent performers, I think. But so, yeah, if you're raised around it, I feel like. Yeah. You just, it's part of who you are. It's your DNA. Yeah. Dino DNA. Um, she, her, her time period, the time she was, she was a director before her time. And unfortunately the time in which she was alive was not beneficial to her career, which is why it was so short the movies we're watching this week don't worry for those who are really excited for amy heckerling we're still doing amy oh heckerling. yeah it'll just be next week in our we're rotation still watch all the movies we named last week we're still watching fast times in our but, rotation of watching movies in general i added clueless just for my my own personal oh yeah watching sure. viewing pleasure we will have clueless on this podcast but we're saving it yeah that was just for my own private pleasure that's so this for. week though the two Ida Lupino movies that we have extended with are The Hitchhiker and The Bigamist, both from 1953. Mm-hmm. So let's not waste any time and let's just get into it. Let's Starting... be like her movies and give you a clear beginning, middle, and end. I know. And not waste four hours of your life. Yeah. The Hitchhiker. As the film begins, a man is shown hitchhiking and being picked up by a succession of people whom he subsequently robs and kills. A suspect. Sorry, it's even though we watched it and I watched it a second time after, it's still shocking. I know. this. We're going to talk about the real life story that this is based on. This is based end. off of a real I, story. It is. It is. I noticed that all of Ida's movies are based around Los Angeles. You, San write, Bernardino, write, Burbank. Write, write what you know, man. California was her backdrop, and so was it to her movies. Yeah. I mean, anyway, back to the movie. Uh, a suspect, Emmett Myers, is publicized in the newspaper headlines. Two friends, Roy Collins and Gilbert Bowen, are driving to Southern California towards a planned fishing trip in the Mexican town of San Felipe on the Gulf of California. Just south of Mexicali. Mexicali. Yeah. I like how you said it, though, too. I was trying to put some spice and pizzazz on it. <laughs> some pizzazz. I figured the Mexicali would like it. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It does make me want guacamole. A little bit, yeah. They pick up Myers, who pulls out a gun and takes them hostage. Myers forces them to journey over dirt roads into Baja California Peninsula towards Santa Rosalia. I'm going to put a lot of that. I like that. Also, I feel like of all the places that you have to be driven out to, if you were to get kidnapped or whatever, 
That's maybe a nicer area. Yeah, it's a good one. Where he plans to take a ferry across the Gulf of California to Guamas. You like that one? You like my pronunciation of that one? <laughs> like that? Just a little zazz on there. Zazz. Zazz. Myers terrorizes and humiliates the two men, at one point forcing Bowen to stand a long distance away to shoot a tin can out of Collins's hand. One night during their one attempt to escape, Collins hurts his ankle. When the car is damaged, Myers forces them to continue their journey on foot despite Collins's injury. Myers ridicules the two men for missing opportunities to escape for fear that the other might be killed. He boasts, quote, you can get anything at the end of a gun. You can quote. do it at the end of a gun. Police in the U.S. and Mexico are hunting Myers, and authorities know that he has abducted the two men who hear this on the radio. <clears throat> they understand that their lives are in danger. To mislead Myers, the police purposely alter their information to suggest to think that he is still in the U.S. Arriving at Santa Rosalia, Myers tries to conceal no his No spice? What? No spice? Santa Rosalia! Thank you. Myers tries to conceal his identity by forcing Collins to wear his clothes, discovering the regular ferry to Guamas. <laughs> okay. It has burned. He has hired a fishing boat. A local resident discovers his identity and contacts authorities who are waiting at the pier. After a shootout and a scuffle, Myers is arrested and Collins and Bowen are freed and are unharmed. Minus his sprained ankle. He did get some injury. And they're probably no dehydrated and super sunburned. No one was so going to come minor out of, injuries. No one was going to come out of that unscathed. They definitely have some mental issues. Oh, they're yeah. Dealing oh, with for yeah. a while. Mental and a little bit of physical. Speaking of mental issues. <laughs> why should we give a shit? <laughs> Did you like that? Oh, my God. That was a segue. All of the protagonists in her movies are going to have a lot of issues later They do. That was a segue of all segues, <laughs> man. Okay. So real I have a question. Short. Okay. Ask me your But question. I do want to know that one, too. Okay. Uh, Myers, do yeah. you think that this movie inspired Halloween? No. Okay. Cool. Not at Easy all. Easy answer. Next. Solid no. Myers is a general name. Scratching that bitch off and the list. It has alliteration, which is probably where Michael Myers came from. But I would love to genuinely ask John Carpenter one day. We John will. Carpenter, please don't die before I can meet you. Uh, I would love to know where Michael, like the whole anthology and where all the yeah. mythos for. Um, was it Deborah's idea? Was it his idea? Protect that man. I know. Put him in a glass box like the Pope. Would you Drive put the glass around. box around just the tits for tits akimbo? Oh, tits akimbo's, her tits are down to her knees. When did you see her last? I didn't. They are no longer akimbo. Okay, well, you know who's are still pretty akimbo? The chick from Purple Rain. Apollonia? Yeah, I just remember, you're Apollonia now. He just dubbed, Prince dubbed her, <laughs> Prince yeah. dubbed her Apollonia, and it was thus for Apollonia. At least her show name is still that. Well, 30 years before Apollonia, <laughs> Billy Cook was a murderer and a thief who murdered a family of five traveling and and a traveling salesman. 
and then kidnapped a deputy sheriff by the name of Homer Waldrip. What a fucking name. Maybe this story, this Hol- true story, was the inspiration for Maybe. Halloween. Anyway. Uh, Homer's from Blythe, California. Cook ordered his captain to drive into the desert where he tied him up with blanket strips and took his police cruiser, leaving Waldrip to die. He unfortunately got loose and walked to the main road and got a ride back to Blythe. Cook also took hostage two men who were on a hunting trip. Cook was also tried and convicted and received the death penalty on December 12th, 1952. Cook was executed in the gas chamber at San Quentin Prison in California. All right, cool. So I can't that believe is this the is based real on life our, inspiration. I think these are all based on real stories. I believe so. In order, to, in order to tell, like abortion. Well, rape. in that documentary we watched, she it, they said that the, she had been writing screenplays and little short stories for well over 10 years before she finally was able to produce. So she probably either had something on the back burner that she had been working on or actually knew these people to draw this story inspiration from. Well, you said personally that in the biz, there's time on set. So she was probably doing that in her time on set. But I know that the studio system operated differently than it does now. It did. There was a lot less rights for players. Uh, We've really worked hard to get workers' rights in Hollywood. So, fun story. When this movie was happening, Ida Lupino went and interviewed two of Billy Cook's hostages. Shut up. Yeah. I don't know if she did this with any other movies, but she went and interviewed two people that he had uh, held up, and she asked them if they could, if she would be able to use parts of their life and their story in this movie, and they gave permission. So that was interesting. Also, even though this man murdered well over three people, if you notice, there is only three deaths, and they're all at the beginning. That's because the Hayes Code Office would not allow them to have more than three deaths. That's stupid. That's code. I it's mean, not, that's, you're not that's allowed. censorship. It's not that you're not allowed. It's like they happen. <laughs> I know, but on screen, you can't. On this screen, in this movie, you can't have more than three of them. Oh, I see. Like, just, yeah, I know. But, you know, but now if you think about how many fucking dead bodies you see now. There's right. a whole show. Exactly. There's a whole show called The Walking Dead. There are literally dead bodies all over, laying down, hanging from rafters, oh, yeah. walking, walking slowly after you. You mentioned a minute ago that a lot of her settings were in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. This movie is technically a film noir, mm-hmm. which is they're all set it's in LA. It's not a tried and true film noir. One of the reasons is because it's not really set in a city, and almost all film noirs are set in the city. It this starts in a city, and does, then they always lose most, their mind and go elsewhere. Most of this movie is set in California desert, which yeah. is very abnormal in the stereotypical film noir genre. Okay, so, so this she, movie is set. There are certain new- things that she did to set this movie apart from everything else that was being done at the time. Did she 
create a subgenre of film noir than you think? No. Okay. I just think she was trying to use a change in setting to her advantage and okay. setting her story apart from every other Dick Tracy story that was happening. Every other well, Dick story. It's like gumshoe cop in the city beat sort of Well, nonsense. because a dick was a private eye, which we discussed in we did. previous episode. Uh, would you like to know some fun facts? Yeah, tell me things. So... As we discovered in the documentary, Ida Lupino was Hollywood's best kept secret. I loved that. I thought that was a really great moment in that documentary because she is the best kept secret. And I feel like a reason why she's the best kept secret. And I even said it during while we were watching that. I was so angry that people don't talk about her. She's a BKS. We've got TDMs, a total dude movie. And I think we can dub. BK, BKS. BKS. Best kept secret. Oh, okay. Yeah. Are I you like into that. that? Yeah. All right. Boom. Decreed. BKS. Well, I think that, unfortunately, her biggest problem is that she has a vagina. <laughs> and I know titty. you can say and that. And titties, though, dude. But she's not known for being a director. She's known for being an actress. I guess there are males. She was known for being a femme fatale. That's what people... Right. When, we talked to my parents. My parents say? both named acting roles. My mother had no idea that she was a director, but she directed some very, very important movies that get looked over, I feel like, in the span of Hollywood cinema's history. And we should go back and take a look at those. She's She doesn't have nearly as many accolades and awards, even posthumously, that she Dude, should Dude, there have. should be an Ida Lupino Award. For women in film. They fucking should. That would be great. Let's start a petition. I'm writing it down. Also, do you remember that one lady was like, maybe you would get somewhere if you stopped dressing like, or looking like a hussy. And you're like, well, Hollywood did that to her to make her look like everybody else. Oh, that's what the narrator of the documentary said. But About that, some that other was literally, woman. She was, contract, she was a contract player. She was told to look a certain way. And then when she was allowed the freedom to be herself and to look like herself, she really came into her own and was more successful because they weren't trying to fit her into a box. The Jean Harlow and Clara Bow. Clara Bow box, which wasn't her. Yeah. Natural hair. Let them eyebrows let them eyebrows grow in naturally. No let one your natural looks hair good go. with pencil thin eyebrows. No. Let them things Nobody. grow out. Tame them. Don't obliterate them. You ready to move on to the next movie? Uh, no, I have another fact. We just got held up on no, BKS, don't. Best Kept Secret. Oh, my God. No, you don't. I have other what? facts. I do Excuse have other facts. Excuse me? I do have other facts. Okay. So, last episode, in the actual episode, not the bonus. Yeah, yeah. We said that Ida Lupino was the second woman inducted into the Director's Guild, which led me to the question, who was the first? The first was Dorothy Arzner. Fuck yeah, Dorothy. Woo! Shatter that glass ceiling, biatch. Maybe there's a Dorothy Arzner award. And then Lupino can be one for like groundbreaking stories that haven't been told before. Every story has been told before. I hate to break your heart. There's only like 12 stories, man. I know. Now we've got Law & Order SVU and they talk about rape <laughs> nonstop. <laughs> 
Um, also, I think that it was cool to see Gina Rollins on that documentary. Yeah, I love Gina Rollins. She was. She pointed out that she was an actress going into directing, and it just wasn't done back then. Yeah, it just wasn't done. Yeah. So she fucking did and a that. Elderly. Marla or Mala Powers looking fucking boss. Stunning. Stunning. Uh, just saying that whatever Ida wants, she made happen. Like that's whatever the kind of Ida wants. Ida gets. Dun, dun, dun. Ida gets. Dun, she really did. Dun, dun. But then she did have to dissolve the filmmakers in 1937. Yeah. Which was a bummer. But then she got a revival. Yeah. In 1966, which we will talk about. I feel like her life was a life of revivals. Yeah. She had real low lows and real high highs. Would you say she was like a female Bowie of sorts where she had different phases? Uh, No. Bowie had different incarnations of himself. Bowie. Ida Lupino was always just herself trying to be. She's like an Ida Lupino. Independent woman in a world full of men trying to tell her what to do she's like an ida lupino paper doll dude we should fucking do that where you got to like dress her in the different eras of ida anyway do you want to talk about the bigamist you want to talk about assholes yeah talking about men fuck you Uh, not fuck this guy not this guy not all men no not all of them this guy specifically so, adoption agent Mr. Jordan, played by Edwin, Edmund Gwen, who we remember from The Trouble with Harry, played the captain. He warns the couple that he would need to investigate them thoroughly. Specifically, he says that he wants to know, like, all the secrets of their life. And then the dude's face just drains of all color. It's very Because funny. he's nosy in every movie that we've seen him in. He is very nosy in every movie. Harry looks worried at Jordan. Something that concerns Jordan. Harry and Eve live in San Francisco and are co-owners of a business. With Harry traveling to Los Angeles frequently. That's rare too, to have a female be able to be a co-business owner, right? Well, I feel like like a mom and pop shop. Mom and pop shop. His name is still, his name is first on the lease. His name's still there. Okay. Jordan arrives at Harry's purported Los Angeles office looking for information about Harry. The receptionist The trouble with Harry? What? The trouble with Harry and information about Harry? (laughs) Same actor? That is really funny. This movie happened before The Trouble with Harry. But also Harry is a popular... I really don't think... Harry is a popular name, much like Meyer is a popular name, or Meyer's. The receptionist calls around to all the hotels... But none of them have a Harry Graham registered. One or two of the managers remember Harry, but he hadn't been checked into their hotels for months. Jordan is puzzled and even more adamant about investigating Harry. He visits the address listed in the phone book for a Harrison Graham, and there he finds Harry with a different wife and a baby. Ooh, where's Jerry Springer? Right? When Jordan is about to call the police, Harry tells him how he has gotten into his situation in a lengthy flashback upon learning of Eve's infertility. You see a lengthy flashback. It is. (laughs) It's true. It is very long. Harry suggests that she join him in his business as a means of coping with her disappointment. 
Though she'd done well at work, she soon began to focus solely on the business, leaving Harry feeling lonely. While staying at a hotel in L.A., Harry meets an interesting woman named Phyllis, played by Ida Lupino herself, on a bus tour of the Hollywood movie star's homes. They spent time together, but parted with Harry not expecting to see her again. Talking on the phone with Eve that night, Harry tried to tell her about Phyllis and his loneliness, but Eve was just interested in talking about the business. Back home, he tried again, planning vacation for the two of them. But she dismissed the idea, saying that she was pleased with the state of their marriage. In L.A., Harry began to see Phyllis again, platonically at first, but then romantic feelings did develop. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> they already had, like, a pre-established relationship. They were making googly eyes on that bus. For sure. While they that- were snooping on Hollywood's... Most- Elite? Yes. <laughs> For the 50s? Yes. Not wanting to fall in love, Phyllis had not allowed Harry to share with her anything about his background and thus remained ignorant of his first marriage. On Harry's last night in town. That's exactly how someone would do it, too. They don't, just, don't tell they me tell anything you about, about yourself. <laughs> okay, I'm going to say something that might be unfavorable. Okay. Rings come off. They do. They very much do. What's that thing from Jack and Will and Grace? He was like, drop that thing on the nightstand and swing from swing on it till dawn. God, that's so funny. <laughs> on Harry's last night in town, they spent the night together. Back home, Harry resolved to rededicate himself to his marriage and planned for someone else to handle the L.A. business. Eve was fully receptive, and she apologized for having been so emotionally distant. She re-embraced the idea of them adopting a child after having rejected it years before. However, her father was taken ill and she had to spend time with her family in Florida. Harry stayed at home and began the adoption process. Three months later, with Eve still away, Harry had to return to L.A. to tend to his business interests there. He discovered Phyllis was pregnant. She told Harry that she didn't want to wish to trap him and that he was free to leave. However, Harry did not turn his back on the responsibility that he felt to care for their child. He planned to call Eve and confess his infidelity and ask her for a divorce. But then came the news of her father's death. Just one more thing. It's just a man finding another excuse. Oh my God. (laughs) Again, no man shaming, just... I mean, I'm slightly man-shaming. Yeah, there's some shame in there. There's definitely no slight in there. But no man-shaming to other men that are good men. Just don't be like this asshole and I won't man-shame you. Hearing how distraught she was and how he couldn't go through with his plan, but also couldn't abandon Phyllis, he instead decided to marry Phyllis and just be a bigamist instead. Ooh, you said the movie title. I did. With Eve planning all of her hopes for happiness on becoming a mother, Harry had hoped to maintain his secret double life long enough for the adoption to be finalized at least, and then divorce Eve so she could get her baby and then get a divorce, be a single mom, happy life. Well, you know what they say, right? What? Happy life, happy wife. 
<laughs> or no, no, happy wife. Happy wife. No, sorry. Yeah. Happy wife. Happy life. Yeah. Would you say that that's pretty true? I mean, I feel like your wife will make your life difficult if she's pissed off. <laughs> At least she has the kid if he leaves her. And she, the adoption's over. Wife no like, you ride bike. He's an asshole. In the present, upon hearing this story, Jordan leaves without calling the police. Harry writes a farewell letter to the sleeping Phyllis and leaves the house. Eve returns to San Francisco as Harry is about to meet the police who are waiting for him there. Harry is tried for bigamy, which used to be a more serious crime than it is now. Okay, I'll save it for why we should give a shit. Okay. And his two wives finally meet in court. The judge notes that once Harry has served his sentence, he'll be legally obligated to support both women and their children. With regard to Harry's personal life, it won't be a question of which woman he'll go back to, but rather which woman will take him back. And quote, damn Nevelle, right. I know that's damn some right. He- harsh ash splurge from that judge, and I love it. <laughs> the film ends with Harry awaiting his sentence and his hearing. Now, man, why should we give a shit? This movie is crazy. Crazy. And if we're able to get it, um, we should give a shit about that new Why We Should Give a Shit music. Why should we give a shit about that Why We Should Give a Shit music? Because we don't have to invent anything anymore. We don't have to invent anything anymore. I know you asked me at literally season one. You were like, are you going to come up with something for every single episode? And we did most episodes. I'm proud of that. Yeah, dude. This shit was crazy. Um, You're talking about the filmmakers. Yeah, well, they shut it down. So, well, yeah, there was also... This particular picture had a difficult time. Uh, RKO pulled out of the picture, leaving the filmmakers to distribute it itself, which is what I was talking to you earlier is, like... Even though the filmmakers were solely independent and they'd like to tout themselves as being like an independent producers, unfortunately, they still had to rely on RKO for distribution. Right. They had to have somewhere to put the movies into theaters. Can we do a little bit maybe in an episode about distribution? Like go into that? Absolutely. Because I feel like we run into that all the time. It's sometimes why we've had to include bonus episodes, which I never think is a bad thing. It gets, means we get to watch things we've wanted to watch. This movie... Re- Dude, we can watch Zardoz and do Disney Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's do that. Um, this movie received really good reviews on its release. But, like I said, it had distribution issues, so it wasn't a wide release. It was also named in that this book, we need to get this book because it's been named a number of times when we've, I've been doing research. The Thousand and One Movies You Must See Before You Die. Hell yeah. It's in that book named one of the movies you must see before you die. It's called a, uh, cited as a haunting film and one of several out of nowhere masterpieces to be directed by Ida Lupino. Which I think was very apt for this movie. Okay. Um, it's 
a shattering combination of ambiguity and intensity throughout the movie, which I also thought was a very apt description. This movie is very intense. You are really It is intense. On a roller coaster with this guy who I do not feel bad for. Well but. you know what? In in the in real life she was on a roller coaster with her husband. Absolutely. No, like, which husband? She had a roller coaster with her every second, husband. Her second husband, who she still performed with afterwards. But, I mean, so Ida was a performer, a writer, and a director, and a producer, right? And so they, she had a daughter, Bridget Duff, and the bigamist did poorly at the... She was also... Okay, so she had a daughter with mr duff which was bridget duff i think they did a tv show in their later years called mr adams and eve and what a fucking title right well it's an adam and eve play i get it i get it but But they're not stupid well he's more the eve because he's the one that was a snake or fucked with a snake oh my god that's so funny the snake in his pants Oh my God, you're me. Bible turn around. Bible turn around. So she was the first woman to direct herself in a film. So she directed and performed in this film and wrote it and produced it. But the bigamist did poorly at the box office. Howard Duff, her husband, couldn't work because he was blacklisted, which was still a thing back in the day. So, okay, so was there Hollywood blacklisted versus about, communist blacklisted. I was like, let's ch- take two seconds to talk about the communist blacklist of the 50s for the children who don't know what the cold war is after world war ii we were still very much well we're still very much at odds with russia yeah and the cold war was very much raging in 1953 the early mid 50s were very much the height of this paranoia i mean it went on forever and ever to the 80s the 60s you had duck and cover yeah in, in the 50s is when they were trying to call out all of these Hollywood stars and starlets for being communists and trying to bring, like, Russian spies into the country and selling secrets and shit. And most of the people who ended up on the blacklist were not communists. Eartha Kitt was on that list. A lot. They were just throwing <clears throat> names on that list. People so, they didn't like. Wasn't Billie Holiday was thrown on that list? A lot of people. Yeah. Uh, Lucy, Lucille Ball for because two of Desi seconds. Arnaz. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, like a lot of people ended up on that list, and it ruined a lot of careers. Jesus. Well, in addition to being blacklisted, his drinking and infidelity, dickhole. Uh, which reminds me of the bigamist. It reminds me of the bigamist. It's kind of overlapping. Yeah. That's kind of what we were talking about about how many of these stories are true and how many of these maybe are her stories. Yeah. But. So drinking inf- and infidelity, and then he would just leave for weeks at a time, which also happened to, happened to Janet Jackson, just saying, uh, which sent her into a, like a deep depression with mood swings. And then her daughter in that documentary had said, you think that's bad. You ain't seen nothing yet. And then like literally next day, boom, popping pills all the time. Yeah, some people can just turn on addiction. It's a fucking switch. And they're like, I'm in it now. And it's like, yeah, mental illness and being famous your whole life or whatever, performing your whole life is probably a lot. Anyway, uh, you wanted me to ask you a question. So I have a question for you. Do you think charging for bigamy should come back in lieu of or in, in replacing cancel culture? No. What, what, would, what good would that do? It doesn't I feel do like, any yeah. good now. It's still illegal to be a bigamist, man. 
Just yeah, because just the fucking like, Mormons do that shit in Utah, it's still illegal. It's a federal offense. Well, I mean, bigamist is an overarching thing of like, if you're being like, I don't know, add it to the charges for like Louis C.K. or no, Cosby. I think we need public shaming. I remember that. We need to bring the stocks back. Let's take these assholes on tour and just take them from town to town. And let, let everybody throw stone fucking them. shit at them. Shame. Like Shame. Shame. Rotten tomatoes and pineapples. Would you want to be stuff. like the lady in the in the game in Game of Thrones with the bell? Yes. The shame. Totally, yeah. Do you think that would be like a dominatrix thing? But like if you were a dominatrix, you could be the shame woman because you know how to like handle that shit. That'd be so cool. Snap that shit off. Anyway, dude, um, mad love for Ida Lupino. Yeah, that's it. Super short episode. We just wanted to talk about her a little bit more. I hope you guys enjoyed the Ida Lupino movies. Please go watch. We didn't cover all of her movies. There's still more movies to watch. Oh, I do want to take two seconds to talk again a little bit about one of the movies we watched last week. I didn't realize how, like, when you read someone's IMDb, it's kind of difficult to... Like, really see the importance of certain movies within their career. And when we were watching that documentary, I just didn't realize that this was... Uh, the Trouble with Angels was really her one and only big yeah. like box office movie. Where she had big name stars with right. a big name production. Rosalind and big, Russell and yeah. Haley Mills. Uh, so that was like her, her later in life redemption but I mean, at that point in time, the pills and the the drug, well, the, the alcohol, sober, and the attitude—they've taken their damage. You know, it's taken its toll. Yeah, so you can't reverse liver damage. That was a woman with a hell of a life, and I'm glad we got to learn about her in the last couple of weeks and watch her movies. There's still some movies I want to watch. Not Wanted, the movie about yeah. abortion. Yes. yes um. Yes. We're, I'm going to continue to watch Ida Lupino movies, and I hope you do too. Because you know what? They're required viewing. Yeah, said it. Bow. Said the name. Uh, so next week, we will be watching the Amy Heckerling movies. Don't worry. Uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Johnny Dangerously. Movies. I mean, you said them last week. I was just, I wasn't even oh, going to say them yeah. this oh, okay, week. Okay, okay. I was just reminding just people. Reminder, yeah. yeah. Cool. Uh, so, yeah, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Johnny Dangerously. And what was the other one? European Vacation. Yes, National the less, European. You said the least liked of the European yeah, or of gotta, the vacation series. You gotta watch series. all the vacation movies, man. The National Vacation movies. We should watch the other ones like on a vacation bonus episode oh, so that we can compare yeah. it to the European one yes, that nobody yes, likes. Yes, absolutely. Yes, 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 yes. yes, yes. Alright. Um, yeah, that's it. Uh, follow us on socials. Aaron Malay Official on all the things. Chloe Riggs makes things. Required at Required Viewing Podcast. Go to the requiredviewingpodcast.com. See what's happening on there because there's some stuff happening. You can email us at info at requiredviewingpodcast.com if you have any questions, comments, concerns. Until next week, my friends, happy viewing. Happy viewing from Kansas City. Hello. This podcast was a Yaki Soba Studios production with a special thanks to our producer, Michael Murray. 
with graphics and music done by Colin Pearson.